0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Android Bytes podcast powered by Esper. I'm David Reddick, and I'm joined by my co-host Michelle Raman. And this week we are also joined by two really in- two really influential people in the Android developer community to talk about something that everybody on Android always wants to talk about, which is permissions <laughs> because Android has a whole lot of them and it feels like the list just gets longer every year. So Michelle, would you like to introduce our guests and um, to our guests? obviously. We'd love to hear a little bit about what you do and the context um, for why Android permissions are important to you and your work or your hobbies or your passion projects.
1: Yeah, thanks, David. So I have two guests here on the show today. I have uh, Shoao Diaz, who is the developer of Tasker, which is one of the premier automation applications available on Android. And I also have on the show Ilya Danilkin, who is a developer on the open G apps project. So why don't you both introduce yourselves a bit more and tell us about the projects that you both work
2: on. Yeah, sure. go ahead. Okay. So uh, as you said, my name is John Dias and I have been a, a, an Android developer for about seven to eight years now. And I do develop Tasker. I have a lot of experience with permissions because Tasker uh, as an automation app, it tries to, to dive in all of the APIs that Android has and make them available to users in an easy way. And I, I, I use probably all of the known permissions in Android and Tasker. So I have a lot of experience using them and requesting them and interacting with Google about them and so on. So that's my experience with them.
3: All right. Hello everyone. My name's Ilya. Ilya slash Ilya, <laughs> depending on the country. Actually, my main uh, well, occupation is the uh, backend developer and team lead. But my passion project has always been Android. Main, let's say OpenG apps is mostly my main passion project for the last couple of years. I started with the Oreo package, if I'm not mistaken, yet it was Oreo. So I'm basically <laughs> touching all this permission stuff from the well backend, from the platform. Basically, we manage them while building our packages in the permission scripts, which we have in the repo and allowing even Google apps require permission. Yes, So basically our scripts allow Google, Google apps to run in the, well, bare bones, Android, well, Chrome. Yeah. So basically GMS and other Google apps can run without any errors in Lockheed and can be used by people to do even basic stuff, like back up in your apps, logging into your account, etc. So basically the, the list is endless and a lot of permissions are actually rather obscure, you could even say they are not available publicly. You can't even show them in the uh, description on the Google website, so there is a lot of very interesting and strange stuff going on in this end. So yeah, I had to become kind, I, I can't say I'm an expert, but pretty gotten used to doing it by now, yeah.
1: Great. Thank you both for the introduction. So the reason I invited both of you onto the show is because both of you have experience dealing with application permissions on Android from an application developer's perspective in the case of Chihuahua and from a system perspective, in the case of Aaliyah, because of your work on the OpenGApps project. For a bit of background, if you're not familiar with how permissions on Android works, Android applications, they're contained within application package files, or APKs. And those APK files contain a whole bunch of stuff, such as applications code, resources, assets, et cetera. And most importantly in our topic's case, the manifest file. The manifest file, which is written in XML, contains a whole bunch of descriptors for the app's properties. It includes mentions of the activities within the application, the broadcasts, the receivers, and the services, and the permissions, most importantly. So, whenever you install an application, the application package is assigned a unique identifier. And whenever you run that app, Android puts that application within a container called a process. And that's also given a unique identifier. And in order for an application to interact with another application, it has to run through an intermediary called the binder process. So because of this, Android is able to gatekeep how one application interacts with another. And all interactions have to be gatekept by permissions. So you can't just have code within one application running code within another application without going through some app permission gatekeeping. And this is the crux of the Android security model when it comes to permissions. All application interactions are controlled by the Android binder system. And all of the ways that applications can interact with each other are defined within the manifest file. I don't know what other operating systems you're familiar with, but I wanted to know here from you guys. What do you think of Android's security model when it comes to permissions versus, say, Windows or Mac or, or
3: any other operating systems you're familiar with? Let's start with So basically, I tried most of them, <laughs> even some of the weird and obscure distros out there. And well, Android can meet in this way. Uh, basically, of course, it started as some fork of some index on top of some mobile stuff, and all well, the years it was what you see. What, what if you describe, basically, like, I think it was Android 6, which kind of, uh, well, worked out the current model and then evolved it in some way or another. And it's not unique. I like actually this approach from the system perspective, uh, it's sandbox approach, so you can't really, you can with super user rights, but I mean, you can a little bit secure with super user. And for the most part, it helps to guide and to guide the apps and the developer and obviously guard the user from the malicious access. And technically it just works when it works, <laughs> when it doesn't work or it's gate kept by some weird exclusion, for example, mm-hmm. on system level, it can become rather a nightmare, especially when we're speaking about different, um, basically different flavors of Android. Yes, yeah, so MIUI, yeah, UI, even Google, uh, pixel, the pixel flavor of uh, AOSP, that AOSP itself. And the list goes on. So Samsung's One UI, I think, had even another layer of, on top of this with Knox. So there's a lot of stuff going on out there in the world. And I think Joao has even more. I can motivated.
2: for example, there's a, the simple permission of wi- Wi-Fi access, apps uh, that can con- contact, um, have network connections. On some phones, you can control that via an, an unofficial permission that's not available in in a, a, AOSP. And, for example, there's another permission which is to control if the Wi-Fi is is on and, uh, on or off, which you can do via Tasker. And that is also n- normally uh, not a permission, a special permission is not required for that. But uh, on some phones, it is it is required. Recently, Google even disabled that permission altogether and apps have to to use some workarounds to make it work, but on some phones, uh, besides that workaround to make it work, you have to enable even another permission in the UI, which becomes very uh, stressful to to help users when they ask me why it isn't working. And then I have to figure out, okay, are, they, are you using a, a Redmi or a, a Huawei or a Samsung or... Uh, and then I have to f- figure out on which menu they have to go to to enable that special permission. <laughs> it's very complicated. But about the the other uh, question you made, uh, Michelle, about uh, comparing it to uh, to other systems, I think Android b- before having the, these runtime permissions, usually you would only see the permissions when you install the an app, and then all the permissions would be automatically accepted. But since saw how iOS used to work on, or still works, they started implementing runtime permissions. And that's when all of this this recent model started. It's, it started as a kind of of a copy of iOS and then windows also has a similar pattern, but there's a a difference in Android that that I think makes uh, uh, all of the difference and makes apps work much better together, which is the intent system. Which is, which can also be protected by permissions. But you can have an intent system like in Tasker, Uh, Tasker uses that extensively for plugins using the intent system. You can apps, you can have apps call each other and not even have any permissions to do so. So by simply using other app calling other apps by intents, you don't even need need permissions to do that. So I think that's a big differentiator in in Android and what what makes it possible, for example, to have a, a different custom launcher. Or a custom browser, or a custom uh, text editor, and so on. it's is the intent system which iOS didn't have, and I think still doesn't have anything that's as, as robust as an Android. So that for me, that's the the, the big differentiator here.
0: And I, that's actually really interesting to me because as somebody who's not as technically familiar with implementation of permissions on Android the intent system i'm like peripherally aware of it in that it exists and that you can use it to basically launch action i think that's how most users are familiar with intents maybe either of you do you have a, an opinion on is this part of how google has chosen to sandbox the permission model by basically saying intents are really the like the unbound world if it's an intent you can do what you want
2: but permissions
0: are getting this much more tightly sandboxed experience
2: You can control intents with permissions as well. For example, you can have a service that can only be called with an intent, but if you have a certain permission on your app and you can call it otherwise. So you have both ways you can do it without or with permissions. So I think it's a very cool system to be able to have default apps and default actions for certain stuff you want to do in your system and make it very open, Google is, is, is moving away from that more and more these days. So I hope they, at least the intent system doesn't go away. So it's,
3: it's not like you can do whatever you want with intense, but, uh, it's, uh, uh, <sighs> a free open window, things <laughs> the uh, rather limited uh, amount of permissions on the actual apps that you run. So it's a, like, you could do permissions, but they would be already on top of another set of permissions that you have for the apps themselves.
2: Maybe it would help to shortly describe what intents are so that people are not aware of what they are. So an intent is it's just like um, when you, it's like the word says, it's an intent to do something so. For example, I can create an intent to edit a photo and I send that intent out to the system and then the system handles it and tells me which apps are available to edit photos. And then you choose an app and you edit the photo on it and you get the the result back. So you send an intent to an app. It processes it, does whatever it wants with it. You can have, it doesn't have to be a photo editor. You can, for example, it can have Tasker receive that same intent and say that it can edit photos and then you can do whatever you want with that image in Tasker and then set it back to the original app with whatever stuff you did in Tasker. So uh, that's basically it. You send an intent out and then you can receive a result back. Wh- which apps are available to handle those intents is up to you. Is up to, to uh, which apps you install.
1: Yeah. And the available activities or the broadcast receivers, all those available components that you can interact with through intents, those are all defined within the manifest file. So, it's actually pretty predictable about what you can and cannot do.
2: Not uh, but uh, all of them actually. and that's also sometimes uh, I have, uh, yeah, sometimes I have uh, some problems with that because some users that don't understand that, for example, broadcast receivers can be created at runtime and not be uh, shown in the manifest, and people always ask me which intents this or that app can accept, and i I can't tell them because I didn't look at their code. and so. Yeah, sometimes that's a problem with my users, but yeah, you can create uh, broadcast receivers at runtime.
1: Yeah. And to clarify a bit about my point too, is that a lot of the parameters that an intent might accept won't be defined within the uh, manifest itself. You'll have the activity, but then all the string extras and all the extras that you can append to it will be defined within like an application class. And yeah, it's really important for the developer of applications to remember to gatekeep certain intents or certain activities that they don't want accessible by applications they're not in control of. Because this is actually like a really common way for privilege, escalation of privilege vulnerabilities to arise because permissions aren't being checked by the caller of an API. And you'll see this pretty commonly in Android applications. So even though Android has a pretty robust permission and privilege model, it's up to app developers and the system developers actually decide when and where to use permissions to gatekeep certain APIs.
2: As an example, you could, for example, I I could make an app that has the, let's say the location permission. And then it, it, it exports a service that without any permissions that any app can call that checks the permission and, and sends it back to the caller. So in fact, all apps on that device could check the user's permission if they knew that the app existed and that they could call that service.
0: That's a fascinating example. Are there any kind of like in the wild vulnerabilities on Android that specifically have, be, have just used a badly written app, which is basically what this is, to leverage an exploit like that?
2: Uh,
1: so I'll actually give you, van- oh,
2: yeah.
1: I'll actually give you an, a recent example. My friend and I discovered a loophole in the fabricated overlay API, which is an, an API that Google introduced in Android 12 to implement dynamic colors. It's the uh, API they use to generate overlays that are enabled on the device after the system palettes are generated. But what we discovered was that nor- ordinarily, the caller of that API has to be the root user, has to have a super user um, access, but he discovered that if you call the API directly as the shell process, so like the ADB shell user, then you're able to access that API. And because there are other ways to basically get ADB shell privileges on Android, you figured out a way to basically on device generate your own overlays, which is Google considers an escalation of privilege exploit, which is reasonable because there's a lot of things you can do to mess up your device or uh, to overlay things you shouldn't be if you have access to that API
2: in tasker for example i have to be be very very specific to what i export because for example the other day i was exporting the ability to get the current wallpaper from the phone and in a in a in a service but then i i, I remembered that maybe i shouldn't be doing that because I think you need a special permission. I don't know if that if for that one you need a special permission, but I've run into situations where I was exporting something out into out in the open and then I remember, oops, I can't export this. <laughs> the apps need permission for this, so I can't do that. So I have to be very careful because Tasker access any accesses anything. So I can't just export everything I want to.
0: I guess I have a question about that specifically. Does does Google Has Google suspended any apps basically for being so brazen in terms of just being irresponsible about this? Would you, would they consider it a Google play developer guideline violation? I I would,
2: I mean, open question. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know the specifics of the policy that would uh, not allow this. Knowing the theme of the policies that exist, I think that would be a violation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there are certain permissions where Google. Technically, permissions are, can be granted to any application as long as if it's a normal type permission or the runtime permission and the user actually grants that permission to the application. And it doesn't matter what that application intends to use that data or that API for. It's it's allowed because they have that permission. So as long as it's something that's enabled by the API, then it's okay. But through Google Play policies, there are certain APIs and permissions that Google says, hey, you have to use it in this way or we don't want you using this permission at all. One of the most infamous examples is the accessibility API and the permissions that are associated with that. For years, Google has been trying to restrict what applications can use those APIs because they're extremely powerful. And I know Joao has a bit of history with this in particular. So can you expand a bit about the accessibility API, what it can be used for, and why Google tried to restrict which apps can utilize it? Okay,
2: so the Accessibility API, as you mentioned, is super powerful. It can create uh, overlays on top of your display. So, for example, it can create stuff that appears on top of your lock screen, on top of your AOD, on top of every screen you want, even if on top of setting screens. So, it can be, you can use it to mask a certain setting, for example, make people click on stuff that they don't want to, that they don't intend to. On top of this, it can be used to click, automatically click on the UI. So you can uh, click stuff on behalf of the user. It can be uh, used to read everything that's on the UI. So you can get the current text and images and everything. Uh, get a screenshot of the UI. No, sorry. A screenshot is another, different API. But you can get all the text in the AP and the UI. So you basically have access to everything and it's a, a permission that until Like about two years ago, I think was not that it said that apps could access the, the text on the screen and stuff, but it's a simple toggle. It was a simple toggle. And now apps are required to say exactly what they can access and cannot access with that toggle. But apps can still say what they want. It's it's not that, (laughs) it's not that hard to say what you want and then do something, something else. Nobody's checking the code for it. Yeah, it's super dangerous to get that permission most of the times. If you don't trust the app, well, you can trust Tasker. It won't do anything on your behalf if you don't want to. So don't stop using that. But other apps you might be careful.
1: Yeah, so as a user, you do have a lot of control and the ability to audit what permissions an application has. Before installation, you can check what permissions an application is requesting on the Google Play Store app listing page. After you install it, you can go to settings and look at the permission manager list to see what runtime permissions are requested. You can go to the privacy dashboard and see how often an application is using a certain permission. Android 12 even introduced some um, indicators in the status bar that tell you when an application is actually using certain features like location, camera, and microphone. So there's a lot of access that a control, I'd say, that Android gives to the user when it comes to managing and applications permissions. On the other hand, there are a lot of permissions that are only accessible to pre-install system applications that the user has absolutely zero control over. And that's one area where I think it's underexplored from security perspective from a security perspective, because what applications are installed by the OEM is completely up to them for the most part. They could uninstall, they could install their own applications, which I guess you'd assume are safe because they're selling it directly to the user and they can also install third party services and often they don't have a source code to that, so they don't know what's in it. So I'd like to ask Ilya a question about, can you explain how these kind of privileged permissions are granted to pre-install applications and what kind of stuff can be done with them?
3: Yeah, sure. So basically on top of the permissions that the user has the control over, which you have described already. There are kind of, they are called differently in different ways. And even Google in their source code calls them differently. They are called privileged or also signed, as, uh, I mean, signed, signed permissions. Yeah. So basically what that means is that on the system level, you described uh, in markup language, basically an XML file, uh, which contains a list of apps, their full system name, com dot, etc et, cetera, et cetera. And which permissions are explicitly allowed or even more so explicitly granted, like from the initial, from the first boot to any app on your system. Signed apps are a bit, well, special in this way. So basically two apps should share the same certificate in order to execute the permission, which is specifically required by that app, but still on the system level you could just write wherever you want system app, which you provide with your own, or in our case, Google app package, for example. Yeah. And system will just accept it as long as, as long as it's described in the manifest, as long as it's actually uses it, as long as, as the code provides it. There are some checks on the system, but basically. You could just place an XML file into the special folder in it's a partition and it will just, it will be just be accepted. Uh, we had the very, I should say we have had a few examples of this special behavior, let's call it that way. When you launch uh, the system, you could always look into the log net and check uh, the current log of your system for the apps that are running. And you could see a lot of errors, warnings, etc. And one of the errors would be the denial of permission. And this denial of permission came from Google App, and it faced many times previously and recently again. Well, basically, it was a permission for the Google Messaging Service, or Google Mobile Service or (GMS) package to set the configuration of the device. You could think, well, Google set up, sets up my device from the cloud. It's natural to allow this permission, and well, more more than that, allowed by default. But actually, no. In the case of most custom ROMs which you run on your device, the remote permission, which is set up by Google, uh, 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 let's rephrase it. Uh, this permission allows Google to basically rewrite your configuration for your ROM from the cloud. For example, you have two two devices. I know Pixel device and. Huawei device, and uh, your main device, for example, is the Huawei one and uh, you restore the Google account on top of your pixel. Permission is allowed and is run on top of your custom ROM. It could have, well, unpredicted results. For example, if you run Lineage OS, you could basically fully disable the trust system and dashboard, which Lineage has. Just because Google restored the backup of your configs, yeah apply that on top of your custom ROM, you have to basically do a clean install, not restore your system, and try some other ways to restore your account. So of course you could somehow circle it like that, but it's just an example of one permission, which could basically ruin your whole custom uh, ROM setup just from restoring your account. And there are a lot of different examples, different permissions from simple ones as, I don't know, read calendar, record, read storage I and mean, external storage, read, write, etc. There is a, there is a very big list of these permissions and um, they're basically public. You could go to the Android source code, look up, brief up private app up permissions, and you'll get this XML file with a description of which apps require which permissions by Google's design, of course, and it turns out that Google apps do not require all of them to run, so they are nice to have, but not most have. And uh, for example, this one, uh, which I described earlier with the configuration is actually nice to have. It, it's not, it doesn't have to be present on custom ROMs. And this was one of the exceptions which OpenJAPS team made when the configuration files were combined for the OpenJAPS package. Yeah, it's one of the cases.
1: Yeah. The way Android works is that there are certain APIs and permissions that can only be granted to system applications. And because of that, if you wanted to say have full control over what goes on on your Android device and you were to buy a commercial device off the shelf. You just would not have access to those permissions because whatever was pre-installed are the only applications that have access to that. So if you wanted to, say, create an application that uses some special app permission on a commercial device, you would just have no way to do it unless you were to unlock the device and flash your own firmware, which is exactly what Esper offers. David, can you tell us a bit about the kinds of services no, that... It's,
0: it's interesting because, yeah, like... When you put it that way, like some of the things that we have to think about when we work with customers, because we basically help them create a custom firmware image. That's that's what we're doing. So even though it's like a highly genericized product we offer, like there are little tweaks and changes they have to make depending on hardware target, depending on what applications they want to run. The way we get involved with permissions is that, so we use the device owner architecture in Android to be able to do most anything we want. And then we also can do, I don't know how it plays into permissions, but we can send add a json file to a device and actually deploy a json using device owner in the field so we can change the configuration on the fly some of which i think is probably down to the way android is architected around device owner permissions which is something that like i technically don't have a whole lot of knowledge about device owner as a topic specifically Um, but it does based on what we've been talking about here this is intrinsically related In the way that Android applications talk to one another, in the way the system chooses to let them talk, specifically to hardware on the device or for the camera or microphone, for example. Like if you're doing a commercial device and the camera never needs to be used for anything, you probably just want a global off switch for that permission. And you can code that in, and we do. So we can just tell the customer, or you want to disable USB peripherals. You want nothing to ever be able to use a USB permission. Same sort of thing. So it is interesting that Android has that flexibility, but like you say, Ilya, there's like a great power that comes with that on the OEM side. A power which could be not necessarily, I don't think it's probably abused, but could be used carelessly.
3: Misused, I would say that way. For example, it was, uh, I think, a few years ago, OnePlus had included the logger. Many loggers, I think, OnePlus was like the only... OEM, which did it, but yeah, there was basically a (laughs) keylogger, which it wasn't just a keylogger, it basically sent uh, most of your data to the server. Basically any kind of OEM, even Google could basically manage any kind of keylogger software Whatever the case, whatever the circumstance, whatever the actual intent of the OEM to build it, for example, to gather logs, which can be actually useful for debugging, for uh, customer support, etc. But as always, you should consider both sides user accessibility, usefulness, easy way to debug to help the customer versus the security. The thing that you lose, the thing that you, well, don't actually have any, well, power to disable or to remove. Of course, <laughs> if you root and well, it takes, uh, well, someone with at least a bit of knowledge on how Android works and how you can actually manage the permissions and disable the stuff that OEM has put into.
0: So as an open question to the group and just getting a sense because obviously Android 13 is coming soon and we know that there are probably going to be some changes to certain permissions like notifications which we can get into as well but I wanted to talk about it a little more broadly so with what Google is doing and what we've been talking about how they handle so for example these OEM level privileges versus like system level versus there are basically tiers of privilege you could look at or Points in the process of development of a device where you can have even greater privilege. So I guess my question is, based on what we're talking about with Intense, with Google starting to close off certain access points, starting to be more aggressive, do we do we think that Google is going to start being more aggressive at the OEM level now um, with permissions to start making sure that this misuse doesn't happen? Because there are a lot of opportunities. And Google has the enforcement mechanism through MADA and the GMS agreements to make that happen. So I'd be curious what, what everybody's thoughts are there.
1: So I can actually talk a bit about this in particular, because I know for a fact that Google has taken notice of this and they are trying to cut back on the vulnerabilities that are introduced by third party privileged applications that aren't controlled by the OEM. Google does have stipulations that require OEMs to audit the MBAs or mobile bundle applications, I believe is what they call it, that they pre-install, that they have to abide by certain requirements that I won't really get into. But there are requirements that they have to follow. And I believe that there are even audit requirements that have to be done in order to introduce third-party applications. So an OEM can't just introduce any random third-party sketchy applications they want just because they sign an agreement like a revenue share agreement, there have to be some um, like safeguards in place. And Google is trying to make sure that those kinds of vulnerabilities aren't as common anymore.
3: Yeah. And we should also remember that they could enforce some stuff, but um, as AOSP is an open project and uh, Google uh, mobile services framework is well, based on top of AOSP and uh, what we have in the system itself and the framework itself, well, if you have, for example, any Chinese app or uh, Chinese device, or a, um, Russian device, for example, who, who knows, yeah, like any other custom device uh, without uh, well, the Google services, usually they develop their own frameworks, which sometimes emulate GMS or. Uh, for example, using Micro-G, uh, as uh, well, basically on uh, how of ported, Google APIs and on top of that, they software they want. And, uh, sometimes just from developing uh, a GMS replacement from scratch. And, uh, well, that kind of ruins the whole <laughs> idea of Google stepping down on security since, well, the system itself is not that well. Of course, it's guarded, but like you can do a lot of stuff on the platform level, uh, obscuring or circumventing some of the system security, well, permissions. For
2: example, sorry. For example, Huawei now has a lot of phones without Google services, right? And they have a different specific implementation of all those services. And like you said, Ilya, they can do stuff differently from Google and they, they don't have to be enforced by Google to make those phones. And a lot of people are buying those phones. I have a lot of customers with them that don't use Google services. And I don't know what, how that system works what how it's enforced, how permissions are enforced there. Yeah, Google can control everything.
0: And I think that's actually a perfect segue to this Android 13 permissions change that we alluded to, which is actually, in my opinion, this comes from China. Because for years, OEMs in China have shipped Android phones like iOS and that notifications are not granted out of the box. Huawei was very annoying for this for years in markets like Europe because it was so different than the standard Android experience. But now it looks like Google is going to do this, which to me is a little crazy. That was like a huge differentiating feature for the platforms. And Michelle, I am hijacking your question here, but... I know we'd be really curious to think, what would both of you think about that change? I,
2: I think that Google complains a lot about permission fatigue, which is a concept of people. They, if they see a lot of permissions for something, they will just accept everything and don't think about it. And they, for example, something is as, as uh, simple as clipboard access. They simply stopped giving apps permission to, to access the clipboard. And there's no runtime permission, no special permission, nothing. Apps simply can't access the clipboard unless there are a keyboard app, uh, the active keyboard app. And with this, they're introducing a new permission for something that I I never heard anyone complain about it. You can simply disable notifications for an app if you want. So what's the problem of receiving a few notifications and just disable them? them? And where's the, the permission fatigue now? I don't understand why this is different. So, why remove something as, as basic and critical for apps? For example, Tasker uses clipboards for from for a bunch of stuff. Many people use clipboard access and complain when it's not working and now and that was completely remo- completely removed from Android with no runtime permissions and something as basic as a notification that you can simply already disable and there's a, a whole framework of the notification categories that you can disable certain notifications and leave others enable. So the control's already there. I don't understand why there's the need for a new runtime permission.
3: My thoughts on that are somewhat, somewhat safe. Actually, I dislike the approach that Google took uh, with the whole notification area. It's great to have, well. Extended controls on which app can run notification, how does it show it for you? Granular control on which sound does it make, should it vibrate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, how, well, for example, how often should it show notification? But as a user, not power user, just a user, most of the people don't even know they could go into the settings, find the app they need, go through the few menus, and this is. Google device or AOSP, basically yeah, two, three, four, four ways or oh, four steps. Yeah, sorry, uh, to get into the specific app that you need and to set up this specific notification setting for this specific app. And of course, there are groups, so you could set up uh, notification uh, settings for the group of apps. But still, it's a hurdle and it hurts user experience. I would I would rather somehow try to simplify the access to the notification uh, system itself, rather than rehauling. Since I agree with João, I think it's, well, it's good enough (laughs) right now, Um, but still, well, making it, for example, opt-in rather than opt-out could be also a great way of, well managing notification spam, yeah, like, let's call it this way. Uh, But I'm afraid that most of the developers will just adapt as they always do. (laughs) I can, uh, this means in both in positive and negative way, meaning that, well, in negative ways, they could just run an endless in-app notification, which is not actually a system notification, just a frame in the app itself saying, love this notification, well, they could do basically anything and uh, make your life miserable until you enable the notification. I had this kind of experience from some of the apps, which I used and it's painful. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's very common on iOS.
3: Yeah. So say that's
0: a- been a big thing that I've noticed over the years on iOS, yeah. apps begging for the notification permission.
2: I would just, yeah, Google to add to this. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, I would just, to, to add to this, people are very often unaware that you can simply long click a notification and disable it right there in the notification bar. So maybe all it took would be to, for Google to add a small notification on, on top. When an, an app uh, sends a notification for the first time, you have some kind of indication that it can be d- disabled right in the notification. And then if people are aware that it can be disabled very easily without having to go into system and then apps and then notifications and et cetera, you could simply do it from the notification bar. Then I think this whole problem would go away. I have countless users telling me why, uh, asking me why a Tasker keeps posting notifications on how they can disable them. And then when I tell them that it can simply long click the notification, they often be, uh, get surprised that it's that simple.
3: I would say that Google misses the whole point of the web with the onboarding. Uh, with, the f- with the new features which are introduced over the years, they do basically zero onboarding, especially for, for the dirty flash when you upgrade your system on your existing phone. It always lies down to the OEM, the specific OEM. Will the specific OEM do some kind of onboarding of new features of Android? How they should show the user? which new features are added that some, some companies do. I'd say most of them even doesn't write about it, or uh, they could just write a small line of changelog in the latest update and that's it. So basically I'd say the onboarding experience sucks. <laughs> <Explains the laughs> point. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'd say this is one of the biggest problems with uh, maybe even with the system itself not just a notification
1: yeah so i'll agree with you that when it comes to user education of new features google not only google but also oems have a uphill battle when it comes to actually telling users about how to use these new features but in google's defense as both of you touched upon since they're responsible to so many developers and so many users and so many companies They have to walk a fine line when it comes to making any changes that might impact how thousands of applications are written. So like when it comes to users, when they introduce a new permission, they have to decide, okay, what protection level do we grant it? Do we want to make it just automatically granted on install, like the internet permission, because basically every app needs the internet permission. So let's just give it by default. Do we make it a dangerous permission or a runtime permission so that the user has to at least acknowledge it before an application can use that feature? Do we make it um, an app all permission, which means they have to go through several settings menus. To, those are even more annoying for the user, but Google wants to make sure that the user abs- is absolutely aware of what they're actually enabling. And then when it comes to developers, they wanna make sure that they introduce features, but they don't make it so difficult for them because developers are the ones who have to actually deal with telling users what uh, permissions are needed for the app to run. So. If Google were to gatekeep the internet permission behind, say, a runtime permission, then we'd probably get a lot of frustrated developers because users constantly saying, why isn't my app connecting to the internet? What did I do wrong? When the simple answer is they didn't grant the internet permission. So like, you, Google has a lot of considerations to take into account before they decide how a permission is defined and how it can be granted and how it's actually, how the user interface is set up around that permission.
2: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think that, so
0: we're getting a little long here, but I do want to get to one more thing here and that Michelle touched on, which is interesting to me, which is the the app op permissions, which are really the, like the not quite super user, you need to be very careful with this permissions, let's call them. And one of those permissions, Michelle, that you have here in our, our document is the system alert window API, which is the over the, basically the overlay API. It's a very powerful permission in Android. It's one that like you would never have on a platform like iOS. iOS just would never trust a developer with that kind of functionality. That's not how they've architected it, and I don't think that's their philosophy. Whereas Google has accepted that there are these edge cases out there where you're like, okay, yeah, there's that's a legitimate use case, and you do need a very powerful permission to accomplish this. And I'm sure, Joao, you especially have a lot of experience um, with, this set of features because yeah. they really are getting deep into the function of the OS.
2: Yeah. I would just say that I don't actually agree with that last statement that you said that Google thinks this permission is necessary. They're trying okay. to get rid of it actually. <laughs> yeah. And they, they introduced a, a new bubbles API for notifications because apparently they think that the system alert windows are mostly used for uh, for some, for example, Facebook Messenger used, used bubbles for a long while now, and for messaging the purposes. So you click the bubble, and then then the conversation appears. And they tried to replace that with the bubble API for notification. so every app can now create that without having that special permission. But they realized, or they don't want to realize, that permission is used for a lot of stuff, a lot of different stuff. For example, you can have. I don't know if you're aware of those Samsung devices that you can have a little bar at the, at the right that you can swipe and then you get a list of apps. And you, can, you can do that with that permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, for, for example, in Tasker, you could create an, an overlay and mm-hmm. a transparent overlay that would do exactly the same. And you, you can use it for a, a million different things, but Google is trying to get rid of it and Android one, how's that a special uh, light version of Android
3: Go Uh,
2: Android go, it it doesn't have that permission, for example. So they're really trying to get uh, rid of that. So I think Google is trying more and more to go to the Apple side of way of doing things. They're, they're deprecating the the stuff that was there from Android uh, 2.0, for example. They're taking away all of these, uh, freedom stuff we used, we used to in Android and All of these special permissions that were used to open up the platform and give users a lot of choice and customization are uh, more and more being taken away. And that's a problem for at least in my view, because users will stop having a custom device, a, a device where they can do anything they want. They will have a much limited, much more limited device. So
1: just to play devil's advocate. A brief defense of Google, because this is, touches upon a, a valid security concern that many enterprises might have with these permissions. I know if, like among tech journalists, among power users like us, when, whenever you see, oh, oh, this new banking Trojan is out and it uses so-and-so permission to do this, if you roll your eyes, you're like, okay, what kind of like person would go and install this obviously sketchy app and install these obviously dangerous permissions that lets them do this? So this is obvious, but to the average user, they don't fully understand that granting an app accessibility permission allows them to do all of the things that you mentioned before, Ilya, or that granting system alert window allows them to create an overlay on top of pretty much everything. And we've seen years and and like many examples of Trojans and like malware that use these APIs in malicious ways to overlay an, an illegitimate banking application with a fake login or using accessibility to insert text to like fake keyboard, to to fake username and password entry. There's so many malicious things you can do with such powerful APIs that like Google recognizes, okay, maybe we may have allowed too much access. So now they're trying to rein things in a little bit. And it butt heads with developers who have already implemented innovative features using these APIs. And as unfortunately the dance that Google is having to do to work with both cases to implement security and still allow for innovative features to be made.
0: And that's really, it's such a, it's such a common theme for our show really is that Google is taking away your toys. Here's why we could rename the podcast that, (laughs) but it is like Michelle says, it's so much about protecting the user because Google is operating at the scale of billions of devices. And so They're making decisions at that macro level, and that's inherently frustrating for people who want more control because what Google is realizing, the easiest path often is just to take it away if your goal is security. And so it's much easier to do that than architect a very nuanced solution. For example, I know we could talk an entire episode about notifications and how Android could handle them in a way that bridges opt in and opt out in a more gentle way. Like, for example, I would think, like, your notifications should probably be a lot more like your email inbox, where you can mark things spam, archive them, mark them for action later. It should be an action item list, which is, to me, what Android notifications always were supposed to be. But that seems to be changing, too. Anyway, we've run really long here, and this has been a great episode. I've learned a lot um, about permissions. Joa, Ilya, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you?
3: They? (laughs) Well, basically... (laughs) Uh, I'd say anywhere. My nickname is basically the same flame. You can find it at XDA with Twitter, where our social platform is out there. I guess <laughs> I could be present there. Yeah. Feel free to join to our topic at XDA GApps. Yeah. So basically open GApps topic. We are not as active these days as we used to be. That could be even <laughs> a special topic uh, for the open mm-hmm. packages for Google Maps in the future, but still uh, try to help users and uh, we receive feedback, try to improve. So yeah, feel free to chime in when there's some work. Yeah.
2: People can contact me directly via email. They simply have to search for Tasker on Google play and the email is available there. Or th- Yeah. <laughs> And they can, I also recommend them going to the Tasker subreddit, it, which is very active, has a lot of very cool users that to help people out a lot. And any question you, you may have about Tasker and how to do stuff in Tasker, people will certainly be able to help you there. And I am always around there as well, so I can meet you there.
0: And thank you again so much both for joining us. This has been the Android Bytes podcast, powered by Esper. If Android permissions are a deeply interesting topic to you on a professional level, you might want to talk to us. We know a lot about them and we deal with them a lot. We help companies build custom Android devices with custom firmware for app deployment, firmware deployment, and also applying some pretty cool DevOps principles to some of that. If you want to do CICD without GM, there's a path to that. We can do it. It's complex, but we promise that we're the only ones who can. Also, if you want to run Android on an x86 computer, come talk to us. We do that. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and we will catch you next week.
1: Bye-bye.